Saturday Neon. Saturday Neon, guys, designs and manufactures officially licensed collegiate logo LED neon signs. It's a company that was started by two Colorado Buffalo alumni, two former college roommates. It's Denver-based, locally owned and operated. They offer free shipping as well. Saturday Neon's a really cool company. Like I said, they design and manufacture officially licensed collegiate logo LED neon signs. Imagine a Bud Light sign or a Coors Light sign in a window of a bar, but now imagine that that sign is of your favorite college school. So a Buffs logo or a Rams logo. They manufacture and design all of those. They look really cool. They use LED neon, not glass neon. They're easy to mount. And when you buy something from Saturday Neon, it comes with all the necessary mounting hardware. This is perfect for your office, for your man cave, for your bedroom. It's a great gift idea as well. So check these guys out. Use code DNVR for 10% off your purchase at SaturdayNeon.com. That's code DNVR for 10% off your purchase at SaturdayNeon.com. How do you like not being on the masthead for these, Harrison? <laughs> Feel a little left out, not going to lie. It's okay, though. It's your thing. I'm just uh, I'm just co-piloting it. <laughs> there you go. What's up, everybody? Welcome in. The DNVR Nuggets podcast, notebook edition, a.k.a. the list live, where we are going to go over at least 20 clips. I think I've, when I say Yeesh. 20 clips, I have like 20 topics, but each topic has like two or three clips. So this is going to be, uh, Harrison, it's going to be very thorough. I love thorough. You know, that's what I'm all about. I think there's some good ones in here as well. The Nuggets, honestly, the from an X's and O standpoint, I think the Nuggets are actually as uninteresting as they have been in the Jokic era, really for the last four years, in large part because they're just so their hands are so tied. Like teams that have a lot of talent and dynamic talent can do a lot of different things. The Nuggets are so shorthanded. They can't do it. So a lot of like the tape is the same stuff, the same four or five actions, the same results over and over yeah. again. Um, it kind of limits what clips I, I choose. I was looking up uh, some of the advanced numbers from last night and you look at Nicole Jokic's touches. He had 122 touches last night <laughs> and he usually averages around 100, which is the most in the league. Like he right. leads the league in that mostly every season, but he was up at 122 last night. So yeah, they were they were a little predictable and have been as of late. I love flows in the comments saying night school <laughs> for sure. Night school over in France. Um, to everybody listening at home, we, we want to make these podcasts as listenable as possible. We know not everybody subscribes to the DNVR.com, although we encourage you to. One, it supports us in DNVR and what we're doing, keeps us going. Uh, but also we try to make premium content, including the work Christian does every single week, wind chimes, as well as gamers after every single game, find some kind of angle. You can get access to all of that for $5 a month. And then most, you know, for this, the purposes of this, while I try to explain everything that's going on in the different clips that we go over, it is better to be able to just see the, the plays and, and identify them. And I think the more you see them, the more you recognize some of the trends and you'll start to spot those things in the game and say, ah, I'm noticing this or that because uh, I saw it on the list. But before we get into all of those, a couple little housekeeping notes. Kenneth Fareed, the manimal. Harrison, he's back with the Nuggets, or the Nuggets' greater universe. He's down, signed a deal with the G League, the uh, Grand Rapids Gold. What do you make of this news? 
I don't make much of it. I, I said on the pregame show, what was that, a couple games ago when we were talking about Michael Beasley potentially getting back into the league that I was kind of over this storyline. Like, I think it's actually pretty cool that a lot of these older, you know, kind of washed up guys who are trying to break into the league get another chance and can get 10-day deals and and find a, a crack in the door back into a team. But I'm I'm a little over it, to be honest. Like, I watched Kenneth Freed at Summer League with Portland. He was terrible. Oh, that's right. He was awful. So I don't think he can give like the Nuggets or an NBA team that much right now. I think it's cool that these guys are back in the league, but I'm, I'm kind of a little past it. What's crazy about this, Kenneth Fareed left the Nuggets not on the best terms. And it was the same group. It was Tim Conley and Michael Malone's Nuggets that he left saying, I'm a starter. I want to go somewhere else. It obviously went horribly for him. I mean, his career was, I can't remember. I, I tweeted out the stat. I think he played 34 games after leaving the Nuggets or something. Maybe it was less than that, even like 25 games or something since leaving the Nuggets. So once he sort of unofficially demanded a trade from Denver, his career ended like very shortly after that. And what's interesting about this to me is that he chose the Nuggets to come back to um, or was the only available opportunity to him. I don't know, but it is interesting that he's here in Denver the team that he kind of asked to leave. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, I think time can, can heal some open wounds that might've been there when, when he left, um, you know, when did he get out of here to 2018? So, you know, that was a while ago. Um, I think people can, can move on, you know, from those types of falling outs over time. But also, and it was cordial to his credit. He wanted a trade. He wanted this or that, but he didn't like, throw the team or organization or anything under the bus. He just clearly felt like there were greener pastures elsewhere. And it turned out there weren't. Yeah, absolutely. But, but I take this more as he's signing with grand rapids and, and not the nuggets, like the nuggets aren't, you think the, do you think the nuggets could use Kenneth Farid? Oh no, 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 no. Okay. I see what you're saying. Um, no, that is the point. You're right. Like Isaiah Thomas signed there, but I don't think Denver was ever going to add Isaiah Thomas. It was just, an opportunity for him to come. I think it's the same for the Nuggets here, but I do think it's, this is the first year the Nuggets have had a G League team. And it's interesting to me that they have been able to get so many of these guys, Stauskas, Lance Stevenson, uh, Isaiah Thomas, now Kenneth Reed, these veteran players have chosen their G League team to sort of go and get the start from. You're right, it's not going to be the Nuggets that pick Kenneth Reed up, if any team. But it is meaningful to me that the Nuggets organization and their and their G League organization is the team that these veterans keep picking it it is meaningful and i think it is significant and in the nba is a relationship business and and it's probably good for the nuggets in that respect i am kind of wanting um you know denver to to maybe you know try to develop their own you know future rotation players in the g league and not be just a landing spot for these veterans to try to get back into the nba um, I think it's cool that they're doing it and I think it could help them, you know, in, in the long run, like I said, um, but this is the playbook, right? Like go the gold, look good in a game or two, get a 10 day contract. But here's the thing. Cause I'm with you and I think the nuggets will, but this was a unique year. Teams didn't sure. know what the G in fact, the G league, are they not even playing games? Are they, isn't it just like the G league is actually now just for like, well, there's a break training? right now. I think games start up next week. Okay. But the point is this year, I think it was harder to get 
Davon Reeds, meaning guys to commit to not going to Europe or doing this or that and getting them to a G League, just because there was so much uncertainty to start the season, of course, it's panned out with this resurgence of Omicron now. Like it, it's turned out to be a great yeah. avenue. But I do think that this was a year that it's still nice that the Nuggets are at least from the outside being viewed as an organization that you go to and they're going to take care of you and you get this goodwill. And now te- veteran NBA players are, are trusting them. I think it builds goodwill towards next season or whenever the world gets remotely close to normal that the Tory Craig's of the world, the Davon Reed's of the world, the Terrence Davis's of the world. I, I am hopeful that they also pick Grand Rapids, meaning not NBA veteran players, right. but guys who are prime for being like given a second chance or this or that. And that's where the pipeline really starts to work out in Denver's favor. Um, I just think this year, because of the pandemic, there's fewer of those guys around. No, totally. And this year is a weird year in a normal season. I don't think Kenneth Reed's going to the G league and try to get a 10 day deal. He's probably playing somewhere <laughs> yeah. else overseas Yeah, in a normal, you know, year. I don't even know if Isaiah Thomas is maybe, maybe he's, you know, playing overseas. I think Isaiah Thomas is because I think it like just so desperately wants back in the NBA. And, and I yeah. think it's for, for that reason, but there, you're right that there are guys that when they're like, stardom has sort of faded in the NBA. They're like, Oh, I'll just go make $5 million in, in Russia or, or yeah. Lithuania or whatever. Yeah. You're probably right on it. He definitely wants to get back in the league, but yeah, for I don't know. I think it's just a, the, a good situation and it's a, an opening in the door for, for him to potentially get on with the team. And I was actually going to bring this up. What Andy says in the comments, that is a big name. Kenneth Farid. Um, if he, you know, goes to play in Grand Rapids, I think you go watch a game because Kenneth Farid's playing. Maybe. I don't know, man. How much money is there to be made on ticket sales for the Grand Rapids? Well, I'll say this. I was reading, I was reading, I think it was last year, that Grand Rapids was one of the very few G League teams that actually turned a profit. Well, no surprise. This is, I'm sure, why (laughs) Nuggets have partnered with them. So Uh, they obviously know how to make a little bit of money. Well, I am just, I actually do find it interesting news because it, it is now, a tr- I think we can safely call this a trend. Uh, but maybe, yeah. you know, I don't know, maybe Jason Terry deserves some credit here. Maybe he has a rapport with these players. Um, you know, he played, played against, against them. Yeah, he played against them. So maybe that's it. Maybe it's, you know, Tim Conley and company and the network that they've built. Maybe it's the history of Denver just kind of doing well by these two-way players. Um, I don't know, but whatever it is, I feel like, halfway through our first season, I feel like this is a pretty successful first year of having a G league team for the nuggets. I, I really yeah. do feel like it's an underrated storyline. Um, yeah. that, that means a little something. Um, yeah, I, I've got to think so. And the point you brought up earlier that it can be the pipeline, not for the veterans, but for the younger developing players, like we've seen that go badly. Like you were saying when Denver just didn't have an open roster spot on its NBA team with a Kenrich Williams or a Terrence Davis you know, one of those types right. of guys. Um, now those guys are trying to get regular NBA spots, not, you know, G league contracts or two way contracts, but you know, that, that stuff can work in Denver's favor. Now that they have a G league team. This is kind of a small little news or notes, but Austin rivers responded. You posted this actually. So you posted this while you were doing media availability or in between media availability last night, the uh, warriors broadcast crew, Kind of uh, weird comments last night about Faku. At one point, they do like a stereotype foreigner's voice for some reason. And then uh, 
they also said that Austin Rivers only got his role in the Clippers because of his dad. Like, just you, usually broadcast crews are extremely buttoned up. Like, Marlowe might be the edgiest play-by-play guy at all of the NBA because every now and then he says things like scoring orgy. But um, you rarely see guys sort of make those types of off-color comments on uh, players. What did you make of it? And then you could see on the screen right now, Austin Rivers responded to it. I mean, you you clearly pissed off Austin Rivers. Yeah. I mean, when I put the clip out from Faku, I just put it out because a lot of people were sending it to me. And then I listened to it. I'm like, did they really just say that? And the second I put it out, everybody in the replies was like, this is actually kind of typical of the Warriors broadcast crew. It sounds like they're a bottom whatever three crew in the, in the league. Like they get this a lot. Um, and it came from a former player too, Kalina Azabuki. Like that's what was surprising about the the Faku comment that he made. Like it's a former player. Um, so I'm a, it was. I'm a I, I, I didn't. I didn't think it was very. I didn't think it was had a lot of class to it. I'm. It, it definitely doesn't have a lot of class. I'm of two minds about this. I mean, I. Look, I think about this stuff all the time. I'm a, uh, one of the owners of, of you know DNVR. Obviously, I think a lot about the future of media and how to cover sports in this new age. So I think a lot about does this do why are play-by-play announcers why are they held in such why does they they have to be formal and buttoned up and serious? But then I do agree that there is probably they can't be like us where it's just like shooting from the hip around the association ragging on guys or what have you. So there is a weird balance where i look at that and i go am i am i personally offended by this probably look the the accent thing is a little weird but like ragging on like lightly ragging on another player in jest i i don't know it's just so on it's so weird that's what shocks me about is it's just so different from what you saw but if you heard that on like the bill simmons podcast you wouldn't bat an eye well maybe it's because when we do it on around the association everybody knows we're joking yeah. Like everybody knows we're not being hundred percent serious. And like they made those comments with their chest. Like they right. were saying those with their chest. Right. So I think there was a level of, of seriousness to what they said that that crossed the line. Yeah. Well, let's get into some of these notes. What people are tuning in for the list here. And we're going to start with um, last night's game. And then we'll go backward into the Clippers game. It's nice that we get to do the list on the wins, two wins. Uh, even though they were kind of ugly wins, a win, a win is a win, and there's some interesting clips to get started in here. Um, the first thing, one of the things that's really important that's going on with the Nuggets right now from like a half-court standpoint, the, they're having a, a hell of a time getting Jokic the ball inside. Jokic is having a hell of a time getting the ball inside. And when he does catch the ball inside, teams are successfully collapsing on him, and Denver is not doing a very good job of punishing, uh, you know, Jokic having deep post position or whatever. Teams are able to double and triple and and get away with it a little bit. So there's a couple things that Jokic personally is starting to do to to kind of work around it. This first one you're going to see. So he goes down to the post and he should actually receive the ball here. He's open. Is this Davon Reed? Yeah, he gets the ball out of his hands a little bit too quick. I think he should have actually tried to focus on getting the ball inside. He doesn't. And here's what's interesting. Austin Rivers calls his own number here. So you can see Jokic is pointing, saying, hey, get it back to Davon Reed. Get me in the post. Let me post up here. Austin Rivers goes for this. Now, here's what's interesting. Look at Jokic. 
This is an example of Jokic creating space, even though he doesn't have the ball. He immediately turns into a screen in the paint. And what this does is it's going to open up either a shot for Austin Rivers at the rim or the defense on that weak side guarding the corner is going to have to sink in and you have an easy kick out. So Jokic is actually clearing the paint here for Austin Rivers, but Austin Rivers just drops the ball and, and turns it over. So it's an interesting thing. We're going to see a couple different examples of this where Jokic is just like, hey, if they're going to collapse on me so hard in front, then I'm going to turn those fronts into screens. Um, it just didn't work out on that specific play, but it is something you're going to start noticing more and more of. <laughs> when that happened last night, I just felt bad for joke for Jokic. <laughs> I feel bad for the guy, man. Like he's, he's trying to play this high level of basketball and he's right now he's surrounded by a guy on a 10 day contract, a guy on a, a minimum veteran contract. Like, it's just not at the same level. He's frustrated. Honestly, he's yeah, frustrated. visibly. And he's frustrated, and it's affecting him. I think he has to, like, accept that this is his fate right now, but um, because it's not going to change for a while. He's just going to have to be frustrated. This is what I put the other day when I made that metaphor about the daughter in Yellowstone and how she's, like, being driven crazy by her circumstance, but her father's like, yeah, I need her crazy right now. This is like Jokic. Like, he's suffering right now, but he has to learn that, like, hey, man, we need you to suffer for us right now. Like, you just have yeah. to deal with this because it's the only option the team has. If you guys are looking for a beer to pick up to get you through a Nuggets game this week, make sure it's a Mile High City Copper Lager from Breckenridge Brewery. It's the beer that we drink during Nuggets season. So check it out. It's in that Nuggets blue can with the Nuggets logo on it. You can get the Mile High City Copper Lager at your local liquor store, at your local grocery store. And if you're in the area, stop into the DNVR bar. We've got tons of Breck Brew on tap. If you're in the Littleton area, stop in to the Breck Brew Farmhouse. They got a lot of great beers and great food over there as well. Fun for the whole family at the Breck Brew Farmhouse in Littleton. I also want to tell you guys about Snooze Sleep. They have the Snooze Flip, which is one of the most universal mattresses on the planet. You can customize the Snooze Flip to fit your sleeping experience and what you need. One side is soft, one side is firm. You can flip it to the side that fits your body best. The cover is also reversible with one side up to five degrees cooler and then of course cozy warm on the other side. The snooze flip cover is zippable and makes for a true four in one mattress as well. The snooze flip is the only four in one mattress with these features on the market. Snooze sleep hooked us up at DNVR with some of these mattresses. I can vouch for them. It's a great night of sleep. The customization is awesome. So don't stress out trying to shop through hundreds of mattresses online or go into one of those weird mattress stores where you awkwardly lay on one and try to decide in two minutes if it's comfortable or not. Customize your sleeping experience with Snooze Sleep and the Snooze Flip. Go to snoozesleep.com, use code DNVR, get $250 off your mattress and $250 off your adjustable base. This is an awesome deal, $500 in total savings. Go to snoozesleep.com, get $250 off your mattress and $250 off your adjustable base with the code DNVR. Jokic is so good at recognizing um, when the double is coming and when it's a fake. So we're going to see this wedge role play, which by the way, one thing I love about this play here uh davon reed is actually telling i think he's actually orchestrating the play for one of for bones highland perhaps is that who it was oh no that's a later one he delivers the screen early when you watch this diet this this wedge screen that the nugget they run this play all the time it's one of their staples <clears throat> sometimes the guy setting the diagonal <clears throat> is so late that the defense can cheat over uh 
he's locked in on the timing of this, which is important and allows Jokic to get the ball without having to like fight for forever here. You go around. Mm -hmm. Now here's what I love. Steph Curry is going to be a stunt down and pretend he's going to double, but Jokic knows he's not really going to double. And he's so good at this. Like he keeps his dribble alive the whole time. He never falls for it. Like the whole time he gets the, he draws the foul here, but the whole time he's watching Steph and Steph is trying to fake it. And he just knows what their defensive coverages are going to be. You can't really fool him. Never gets sped up. Takes his time. This is great work. I mean, he's so elite at this. This is why I say he's the mm-hmm. best paper, rock, scissors player ever is for me. And for most for 99.9% of NBA players reading, if that was going to be a double team or a fake double team, I mean, so many guys will pick up their dribble because they think the double's coming and he just Man. stays so patient. Yeah. Jokic playing out of double teams, like scoring in that scenario, passing out of them is definitely one of the things that I take for granted about him. Because if you're listening to this, just turn on an NBA game and watch any big man that's not named Nikola Jokic work through a double team. It's not, yeah. it's not pretty. It, it's no. not pretty. But with him, it's just, it's simple. Uh, I really like this screen from Zeke Naji. I'm going to pull this up now. You can see it. Um, this is an off-ball play, so Zeke's going to be down in the dunker. Oh, this is this is the play I was referencing. It's like the very next play. But watch Davon Reed is basically telling Bones where to go on this play, if you see this, which is just funny to me. It's like he knows the playbook better than, than Bones Highland does. Uh, yeah. I mean, to make it in the league, he's got to be this way. Um, all right. So then you're going to see Zeke Naji now on the weak side. Yoke is reading this. When is the double going to come? Whether it's going to come or not, he sees it, gets it out of his hands, reversal, and look at Zeke set the screen on the weak side. So this is once this once you see the double actually comes, it triggers a boom. Two guys here, three guys to guard four. So you know this is going to be a race between the recovery and getting the ball to the corner. And Zeke recognizes that. All right, we're going to swing the ball. This guy has to go out. He makes contact with him just enough to open up the shot. Now it doesn't, it, it, it does go actually. I thought this one missed that. That is completely Zeke will get no credit for this, but that was 100% a Zeke Naji play. Yeah. Great play by Zeke. And just the no, like Dave Henry doesn't even have to think about swinging the ball there. Like he right, just, my dog, my dog was whining. <laughs> he wanted out. <laughs> no, wanted I was out. just saying how Dave Reed on that swing. It's like, automatic it's immediate you know there's there's no second guessing what he's gonna do it's just an obvious pass no hesitation i don't get this so it is paper rock scissors you say rock i guess it's the same thing it doesn't it's rock rock, it's rock paper scissors it can be either one that does it's the same thing yes no it's not you guys are so weird um (laughs) zeke did such a nice job defensively against steph so much so that i'm well willing to say this hot take defense is zeke naji's best skill Shooting, he's pretty good shooter. I don't know. I'm curious to see like how much this continues. Defense is his number one skill. He was great defensively switching out onto Steph last night. That was definitely something that popped out in when I rewatched the game. And we've seen him do it in the past. The Nuggets played the Hawks a couple weeks ago and Trey Young, and he had a couple really nice possessions where he switched out onto Trey Young and contained him and gave a really nice contest on a three or a step back jumper. So um, I agree. Uh, you don't get a lot of 6'10", 6'11", guys that are as young as Zeke Naji that can do what he does when he gets switched out onto guards. Here's the kicker for him. He's got to be better at doing big man things, in my opinion. And that includes rebounding is like the most obvious one. 
but also just like using your size when you get that advantage. Cause here's the thing. If you're a good defender against little guys and you're a big, that's, that's valuable. But if you're not an actual big, you're just big in size, then why not just, then you're actually just a guard. Like there's no difference. Like you might as well just have another guard out there. Who's also good at moving their feet. He's got to get better now about when guys put a Gary Payton on him or uh, even an Andrew Wiggins, you've got a 30 pounds weight advantage and, and some, some height. You got to be able to like punish them there. So that's where Zeke Naji, I'm not sure how valuable of a prospect he is just yet because he's got these question marks around him. And that to me is now the biggest one. Can he use his size to be a mismatch the other way because his best still skill right now is canceling out the mismatch the other direction. Yeah, he should take some cues from Aaron Gordon because For that's sure. something Aaron Gordon seems like he's perfected now yeah. about you know six months into his Nuggets tenor. To his credit, though, to Zeke's credit, he did have a couple nice drives, drew some fouls, and, and just he did sort of barrel towards the basket, which is half the battle. Now you've got to be able to do it under control, but um, I, I have a feeling it's a point of emphasis for him as well. Yeah. Um, the Nuggets in this game started out so hot from three. I mean, this was the story of it. Honestly, they just made a lot of shots. I mean, Will Barton made some crazy shots, of some quick trigger ones. The, it, to me, it demonstrates the value of a Michael Porter. Right now, the Nuggets are so easy to guard because they don't put pressure on you like, oh, we got to scramble to do this. We got to scramble. Like Denver's very methodical. They're very slow, but you can kind of sit on. And sometimes Denver scores anyway, but you kind of know how they're trying to. Michael Porter represents at his best this guy that just every now and then, and when I say every now and then, like every four or five possessions, he just mm -hmm. takes a shot. He's semi open. He takes a shot and it forces the defense to always be worried that he's going to take a shot at any moment and bends the defense that way. Nuggets don't make a lot of shots with the unit they have right now. They did in the first half and it was a bloodbath. Yeah. I mean, Will Barton was incredible in the first quarter. He had 21 in the game and then he had 14 in the first quarter. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, it was as good of a start as you could have asked for. Um, here's a miscue that drove me nuts. Bones Highland guarding. Uh, is this, he's on Steph Curry out here. No, he's on somebody else. This is a, uh, like one of the foundational aspects of the Warriors offense post entry split cut. Somehow there's a miscue like J Mike. He's cause he's guarding the big he's guarding Bielitsa here is sagging way off into the paint. They, he calls for a switch. You can see bones calling for a switch. But I don't know if this is a switchable moment or not. Denver probably has their principles. Neither one goes, and it just becomes a wide-open three set three-point shot. Uh, he misses it, thank God. I mean, they missed a lot of shots like this. But this is one of those ones where I always talk about having a real bad screw-up negates like five in a row good defensive possessions. Like one yeah. wide-open three negates three or four good possessions where you force them into a tough shot because it's worth three points. Yeah. Yeah, that was a rough one for sure. And yeah, that's what you worry about with Bones. You know, he's he's got such a great feel on offense. And, you know, he, he's so young. But for a point guard coming out of college who only spent two years there, he's really advanced in a lot of aspects on the offense end of the floor. But yeah, defensively, he's he, like most rookies. You know, he's, he's just not going to be as in tune on that end. One of my favorite things that I'm thinking about from like, I love when basketball makes me think like when I see something and I'm like, Hmm, I want to chew on this for a while. One of the things that made me think last night, the bones that Dave Davon Reed combo is intriguing to me. Davon Reed, seven foot wingspan. 
Bones Highland, six foot nine wingspan. That's a lot of wingspan for guys that seem appear to be a little bit, you know, smaller. And I especially like them when they're not with Faku. Faku sort of negates that, right? He's so short yeah. that, okay, now the cumulative wingspan doesn't work out. I'm curious if we get any Barton Bones, Davon Reed minutes, because those are all guys that are sort of like long, long armed. And I'm wondering if that's a lineup that can actually play as if they were all even bigger, like six, eight, six, nine, when in fact they're all six, two to six, six. Um, I'd be curious for that, but just to look at the numbers here, they actually have a negative net rating bones and, and read together and uh, roughly 100 possessions. I think it's like 96 possessions. They have a negative net rating, but that's because they have an 88 offensive rating. They have a 90 <laughs> defensive rating in those hundred possessions. Again, small sample size, but yeah. when we talk about that second unit, I just don't know that they're going to be a great offense with any combination and 88 offensive re, uh, rating. I, I hope that can go up. I think that can go up 90 defensive rating tells me there's something there between those two guys in the back. Where I think at least there's something there. Yeah. I'd have to think so. The wingspan thing is huge. Offensively. You said that offensive rating and I wasn't actually that surprised because last night they had, I think a five minute yeah. drought where yeah. they just didn't make a basket when the yeah. bench group was out there. And then I think it was against the Clippers too, or it might've been Charlotte where they had another like four and a half minute drought. Right. The bench yep. unit has yep. been going on these huge droughts where they just cannot even score a basket. So uh, it's been a struggle. Rooster, I would be curious to see what their longest scoring droughts are in each game over the last like, three, four games. Like, because you're right. I have, there's been, there's been two very long ones very recently. And I have to think there were long ones in the Oklahoma city game too. Like there, I just, yeah. so I'm guessing there probably were some, um, another thing I've been talking about this on the post game show. I did this for the playback, by the way, I'm working with playback to try to get, this would be so cool to me, Harrison. Tell me what you think. I want to be able to rewatch a full game, uh, on playback. So, like, for example, today we're doing the list, but it would be fun if another time we just did the full game rewatch. It probably would take, like, an hour and a half, but people could pop <laughs> in or whatever. We could clip highlights of it. But it would be fun to do that so I could, like – I'd love to show people what it looks like when I prepare for the list, how, how much I go back and what I'm looking at, and a lot of stuff that doesn't make the list that people might find, like, mildly interesting or something. Yeah, so that'd be cool. Hopefully that comes up. Let me know if you guys would find that interesting or not. Um I've talked though about uh, J Mike, them having J Mike roll a lot more. And here's obviously his big thunder dunk. But the thing I'm going to draw your attention to is this play calls for Zeke Naji to, to switch, but he notices that they flip the screen here. And as soon as they flip, the roll's going to be this way. And you're trying to create the single side tag. So he does a good job of rotating to the other side. And it is part of what opens this up so much for J mm -hmm. Mike. So one, just getting the pick and roll instead of the pick and pop, which is not working this year. Might as well get something else. They get a roll and a dunk. But Zeke Naji perfectly reading sort of the balance of the court on that one is part of what helped open it up. Not going to lie. I thought Jamichael Green was going to miss that dunk. Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> Off the back of the backboard, falls all the way to half court. Or front of the rim. Either one. <laughs> You're such a hater. He gave um, Denver great minutes last night. I do have to say. Yeah, His offensive hater. rebounding was great. Um, he had a couple plays like that, just energizing plays. Um, but he, he was great on the glass last night. I think six rebounds for him. Here's the thing with Steph Curry. So I'm highlighting a Steph Curry play here, but he is the best of all time, in my opinion. I, I, I don't know if I have enough like of a NBA almanac to be able to say this for sure, but of my lifetime, the best at moving off ball. And what we're going to see here is we talk so much when people talk X's and O's, they talk so much about the actual like 
draw it out on a clipboard. Steph doesn't do anything out in this that everybody you know does, but watch him know exactly how he's going to set Faku up for this one. He's telling him right here, hit the flash. So he's telling him like, here, flash, hit him. So I can run off of this. He's going to run left to right, right? Sure what Faku thinks. One little jab step, and now the screen becomes uh, – it's basically the equivalent of a screen and rescreen, but he does it all with the subtle little setup here. Ready? Hey, come flash. Ready? Boom. Off. Nope. Now set it. It's so yeah. subtle. It's so little, but it does so much to get him wide open. I just – this is the type of stuff that – when you talk about a development of a Bones Highland, when you talk about Jamal Murray, how can he get more three-pointers off? So much of it is just these types of things, just getting – boom. Look at – I mean – almost no effort into creating a wide open three for the best three point shooter in history. Yeah. You see the Warriors do that a lot. You all see the heat do it with yeah. Duncan Robinson. Like those are the two teams that come to mind when you're thinking of those little pet actions like that. Speaking of which, and this is why, by the way, that's not a, like a, a scripted play. This is just read and react yeah. basketball. This is it. But speaking of which you're right, Miami San Antonio had traditionally been very good at this. They don't really have the horses right now, but Miami heat, Duncan Robinson, that was a guy who was a great shooter and good off-ball mover that they're like, we'll make you an NBA player. Tyler Hero is a first-round pick, but same thing. He's playing above his draft position in large part because it's like, hey, you have the raw talent. You're tall, you can shoot, and you know how to move off-ball. But we're going to emphasize those things and really dial it up. And then you have Max Struess, by the way, who comes that came out of nowhere. Same thing, elite at these types of things. And so you turn a guy who's just a good shooter into a guy who's a good shooter. Who's also good at creating open shots for himself, just from great route re running and read and react basketball. It's funny at the start of this season. Um, oh, sorry. This is actually at the start of last season, but Michael Malone did say on the record that they want to incorporate some of those actions for Michael Porter jr. Right. Th this was heading into last season. We never really saw that a ton. I don't think. Um, maybe we would have this season if yeah. Porter was healthy, but that's definitely been something that's been on the Denver's mind. I could say, I guess, but this is the thing. If I was Michael Porter's trainer and his trainer is a lot better at training basketball NBA players than I am. So that this is the thing where if I was his trainer, I would not be working on his dribble moves that much. I mean, like there, you work on them cause you work on every part of your game in the off season, but I would be working so much more on just how to move off ball. And I'm so curious what his workout with Steph Curry was, because I know they talked about how much they were running around before shooting yeah. and the conditioning aspect of it. But it, to me, it's not just the running around part. It's, you know, Michael Porter Jr. is a receiver, not a running back. He's got to like learn how to route run. And the, the play is over the moment he gets open. It's like with Steph Curry, so much of his shots are they're done. Once he gets open, it's not about dribble, dribble, dribble. It's just, run a good route. Don't have it. Pass it back. Run another good route. Just see what happens. And um, Michael Porter's okay at it. He's so tall. He doesn't have to be that good. His margin for error is enormous. Uh, but I, to me, I would, I would be trying to be a Max Struess and a Duncan Robinson and a Tyler hero, because mm -hmm. if he's those guys, he's as impactful as a Clay Thompson or a Steph Curry because he's so tall and so, so talented. Yeah. Um, this type, the title of this clip is just called bones doing important things with Jokic. Uh, and I remember some of them. Um, I think it's a couple different plays here. Oh, yeah, the first one here. So look at Jokic's eyes. This is off of a make, and he's like, yo, they are, they're not set. They're too late. But what I love about this is Bones reads it, and this might not sound like a big deal. The Nuggets are struggling to get the ball uh, to Jokic inside. This is a play where Jokic rim runs after a make, by the way. After a make, he rim runs and is able to pin his guy deep. 
Bones Highland right now in the video clip is two steps inside of the three-point line, four steps away from uh, from the half court, four steps away from the three-point line. If you wait too long, it's easy for the team to collapse, the defense to collapse. Bones throws this one right there early, and he throws it high, almost like a lob, because Jokic is taller, he has position, he's going to be able to jump up and get this one. Jokic makes a great touch pass, and it would, would have opened up a wide-open three for Austin Rivers had they not fouled on the entry pass. Mm-hmm. So this doesn't seem like a big deal, but this play to me is so important because you have to make the right pass at the earliest possible moment, and Bones does that. He doesn't wait. He throws it up high where only Jokic can get him. And in a game when in – in a week when Denver has been just struggling so bad at getting Jokic the ball inside, plays like that stand out. Here's another one. Very next play, we're going to get a pick and roll from him. Uh, him and Jokic at the top screen and rescreen. They do the Jokic almost always when you're running pick and roll, almost always a rescreen with them. If you're a shooter here, you have uh, Gary Payton going over the top. Bones does a nice little hezzy. Let's Jokic get rolling. Now, what I love about this is he curls under the basket to force the switch. So now Kevon Louie, rather than if he were to pull this out, you know, I'm going to rewind it here. You run the rescreen. All right. Gary Payton has to trail. If you pull it out right here, Gary Payton recovers. Instead, he forces the switch and now here's what I love even more. Rather than dribble this back out, a la Faku, and reset and allow everybody to kind of plan for the switch here, he just goes right up with it. And what I love about yeah. this is, one, it's a good shot. He can shoot it. But two, by going up so fast, if this ball misses almost any direction, Jokic has the rebound. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got he, the position. He's got the – and he knows that he has the position because in his head, Bones isn't thinking, is this a good shot or not? He's thinking, do I have the switch? And if so, that means there's a six foot two guy inside trying to box out Jokic. That's that's nothing. Goes quickly into it. He actually makes the shot, which is even better. But it doesn't matter because really that's a put the ball on the rim kind of moment. Very good yeah. play from Bones Island. Great recognition right there. I like. I mean, they're playing Faku with Jokic a lot right now. I just I would love it if Bones and Faku's minutes swapped. Um, not necessarily the minutes per game. Like I'm not saying that I just want to see Fox, uh, bones with more Jokic. I know that leaves the bench a lot more vulnerable. And I know that's why Tim Conley's not doing it, but to me, it's more important for Denver, uh, those types of plays. And I just think, especially in a second half, when you can't score, I would have loved to have seen a more dynamic on ball player out there because Denver was not generating dynamic looks, uh, in yeah. that second half. It would certainly make things a little easier on bones too. Because, you know, when he's out there with the regular bench unit, so much is on his shoulders to create. Yeah. And a lot of times it feels like he's trying to do everything by himself. So it, it would make things a little easier for him, too. Lightshade, guys, is Colorado's premier dispensary. They've got 10, soon to be 11, convenient Denver Metro and Aurora locations. Lightshade offers something for everyone from the casual consumer to the connoisseur, and Lightshade also has a premium selection of cannabis concentrates, top shelf flour, edibles, tinctures, accessories, and a lot more. You can find Escape Artists there, you can find Wana there, some of our favorite brands, and when you stop in, use code DNVR for 25% off each purchase. 25% off, that's a lot, that's a big discount. Use code DNVR when you stop into a Lightshade dispensary to get 25% off each purchase. You can also shop online at lightshade.com and pick up at a location near you. Also at DraftKings this week, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, the playoffs, they'll be here before you know it. DraftKings Sportsbook, the offers are even getting more amazing, guys. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. If they do, 
you win $200 in free bets. So if you've been putting off signing up for DraftKings, this is the time to get in. Bet $5 on any NFL team to win their game. If they do, you win $200 in free bets. Of course, DraftKings Sportsbook also has same-game parlays. Get in on those with the NFL games this week and into the playoffs as well. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR. Bet just $5 on any NFL team and win $200 in free bets if that team wins. That's promo code DNVR this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Oh, I have a great repost here from Faku. Uh, I'm such a big guy on reposts, man, that teams don't do it very often. Um, but here, uh, here you get Jokic in the post. He's backing down. Double comes. Faku recognizes, goes right back to him. Jokic could probably make, and it's a bucket. I mean, this is, there's such a tendency for guys when this Paul goes inside the second time to like reverse it or try to dribble drive or something. But often you're just making this cat and mouse guy, which in this case is Gary Payton, who completely full on doubles, make him come back out and guard the perimeter before getting it back in. And then Yoke mm-hmm. can just go a little bit quicker here because he knows the double's coming. He spins away from the double team, which is smart. But I wouldn't even mind him going a little bit quicker on some of these post moves because I think that's another way to negate these double teams that are coming. Yeah. A key reason why Denver only scored 89 points last night was because Jokic didn't get enough post touches. Like he, he got him in the first half and Denver got good offense off of it. In the second half, though, uh, he played way too much on the perimeter. Denver settled too much for three. Yeah. And if Jokic gets, you know, another couple post touches, Denver might be scoring 100 points last night. We're going to get into the worst plays of last night, Harrison. We went through some of the fun stuff. Now we have to get into the second half, which is some of the not fun stuff. Austin Rivers here does not force the switch, and you can see it bothers Jokic. You get a down screen. They feel like they have to fight through this one, and they're bad. But watch Austin Rivers here. You have Kevon Looney switched. Last time we just saw Bones Highland drag Kevon Looney away from the ball. Instead, Austin Rivers stands and then exits this way, and they just switch back. It's a little yeah. thing. But again, this is all like, where is your head at? Austin Rivers' head needs to be, if I sprint out away now from here, I allow them to either both go at him, and now I can exit out the other side, or I can come down to the dunker. But instead, he just kind of stands here and then exits the other way, and it means no advantage. Jokic just misses you know, this shot, but this is really a, a bad, and look at Jokic, you see, yeah, Jokic? he tells him, he tells him, He's like, bro, what the hell are you doing, man? We had a switch. Come on. So um, that's a mystery. We're going to see it. There's a string of bad rivers plays here coming up. Oh, that's rough because I thought he played really, really good defense on Steph Curry in that first half. And even at times in the second half, I was so impressed with what he did defensively just staying with Steph. But um, yeah, offensively, I mean, we've been saying it, for two seasons now, he's, he just doesn't really fit the Jokic ball scheme. He's really valuable in a lot of different aspects. His shot is sometimes his creation ability, but that kind of stuff hurts you. And he did have a very, I would call it, I always say they're an uneven game. Like the good was really good from him last night, including making some important shots, but the bad was really bad. And I actually would say I credit him as much as anyone with the Nuggets being up big in the first half and blame him as much as anyone for them blowing this lead. And we're going to see, this is why I said these are the most important plays of the game. You're going to see an unforgivable effort from Austin Rivers here. Here he is, the last guy, but he's running the wing. Yep. 
I remember Running this the wing, We get a three-point attempt. Let's just pause right here. The floor balance is you've got two guys deep, Austin Rivers on the right wing, Will Barton on the left wing, and all five Warriors players inside the lines here, meaning they're, they're not as far back. Watch Austin Rivers' effort here. That's how you lose. This is how you lose 20 point leads is you, it's not, it's not that you, you know, just miss shots or whatever, like to beat a team in the half court takes a lot. It probably takes more than 24 minutes to make up 24 points. But if you give them fast break layups, because you were significantly more ahead of them in transition, but just didn't run as hard. And again, here he is deeper. There's two guys. So this does make it a little bit difficult and bones falls down. So this is part of it. But at the same time, Sprint back. He doesn't sprint back, so now he has to yeah. pick. And you get a wide-open dunk at the rim, which is the He's worst not deep enough to guard either one of those guys, though. He's not even deep enough to pick up Curry, who's going to the corner. Well, here's what's worse. So that was one. Here's number two. It's going to be a very oh, similar situation here. Um, so here you have Austin Rivers in the corner, okay? So he's not the deepest man on this one. This is actually the, one of the last plays of the entire game. Jogic gets fouled on this one. I won't hear otherwise. But nonetheless, game on the line, right? You're up two points with a minute nine. This is all out effort. Here's Austin Rivers in the corner. Shot goes up. You just go start getting back. Jokic doesn't pass you here. All right, get back. Get back. There's a two-point game. It's a two-point yeah. game. He's even right now with Gary Payton. No effort to get back. A little jog. And we have a dunk. Again, two players standing side by side with the game on the line. And he's how many steps ahead of him by the time he gets to the rim? I mean... He's a good it's six, bad. seven feet in front of him. They were at the yeah, same spot, bad. Harrison. It's bad. It kills me, man. Like, these are like unforgivable offenses to me. You know, like you could do a million good things, but these things, uh, these things just ruin it all for me. Now, here's another one. I don't know why I have these out of sequence here because this one is coming in the third quarter. But here's a steal. Austin Rivers running the wing. All right, we're even with the basketball, right? We got a one, two, three, four, five on two break opportunity for the Denver Nuggets. Look at Austin Rivers's effort here. <laughs> Where is he going? <laughs> well, just watch the like afterburners. So here it is again. He rolls. He like peels off. off. Just kind of a little jog. And here's what's frustrating. There's nobody on this side of the court. Every player other than Austin Rivers is on the middle of the court or to the opposite side. And he just jogs it up. So Jokic ends up going the other direction. They get a three-pointer and they miss anyway. And then here's where you compound it. All right, a miss. One guy back in Faku, Will Barton, Austin Rivers. The three deepest guys on this one to get back in transition are all nuggets. What do you think happens? Look at Austin Rivers. Boop. It's so bad. And the foul. This is how you blow a 20-point lead. You just don't, you just stop running in transition on both ends of the court. Yeah. Uh, painful to watch. Like he just Man. gets blown by there. And then sadly, I think there's one. Was that the last one? Yeah, that was the last. Oh, no. Here's another one. Jokic oh, mad at Austin Rivers. The, the fast crazy. break. Yeah. Is this it? Yeah. Let's see. Oh, this yeah. Here we go. And, yeah. Look at Jokic. Look at Jokic. Look at Jokic's body language when he drops yeah. a wide open three. This to, this, uh, this three guard. from this three that Jokic takes is one of the biggest protest threes I've ever seen him take. This is an all timer. Wait Look for at it. Yoke. He is so mad. Wait for it. Here it is. Oh, Catches fine. high, shoots it. I, and it's, it, it is like this way. I, I he's making a point. I hate that Jokic does this. Like <laughs> I hate that Jokic uses real game time to like make point protest points. But that was one <laughs> right. right. That was one hundred percent a. 
this is all right. If you're not going to shoot it, I'm going to take a dumb shot just to prove to you that you should have shot the good one. It's it sucks that we're ragging on Austin Rivers like we are right now because, like I just said, I thought he was so good defensively in the first half. Yeah. Like he was glued to Steph Curry in the first half. He was great. I mean, you probably give him the most credit out of anyone for holding Steph to two points in the first half, but the wheels came off after halftime. He just wasn't this didn't have the same level of focus. This comment here below is, is spot on. Like those were the mistakes that Michael Porter got benched on. You're right. Michael Porter did make them. And now we know that that was this year, at least injury fueled. but even in years past, like when Michael Porter wouldn't give maximum effort, getting back on defense, automatic rage timeout, automatic benching, like Malone would lose his mind. Um, I mean, they're so shorthanded, but Austin rivers, those, those plays to me, I'm not even a coach and those plays to me just irk me more than anything else. Like just get back. Um, yeah. Uh, watch. Keep your eye on Davon Reed on this one. Uh, 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 he's down lowest guy here up for Denver. But just watch this box out. So often a shot goes up, especially when there's players on the perimeter. It's just like let's watch. We have inside position. Watch Davon finds the guy, puts body on him, and it's the difference between a rebound and not a rebound. That's just textbook a, right there. It's textbook, but it also is just a, like like if you look at Zeke Naji, he turns right and towards the basket. Right, like this yeah. is what most people, ninety nine percent of players do. Davon knows why he's here puts a body on him. And if he would have done exactly whatever, maybe he gets that rebound. Maybe not. Maybe it's 50, 50, maybe it gets bubbled, but you put a body on a guy and this is an absolute stone cold lock of a rebound. And it was, a you know, every, we know every play, every possession mattered in this game since it came down to the absolute wire. The more we watch Davon Reed, the less and less uh, surprised I am that Michael Malone just loves that dude. <laughs> I know. It's so true. <laughs> Uh, this is the play. I just put this in slow motion. I tweeted this one out earlier, but first of all, we got the Jersey grab. So you get the reach in Jersey grab. And then this is the one that kills me. He's got him. He's hugging him. He's yeah. got a full on bear hug around him. Look at his arm is still there as Jokic is spinning. I just don't get how guys get away with this on the MVP. And then the officials right there too. He's staring at the play. Two, two of them actually are have, yeah. have the best angle of it. And they actually, in the two minute report called this one a foul, but not until right there where Jokic released it. So by my count, he actually has fouled three times on that one possession. <laughs> yeah. I just, and, th and it's not like this was an inconsequential play. There's a minute 12 left in the game. <laughs> it's like, it kills me, man. It absolutely kills. I don't get how he doesn't get these ones. Yeah. That seemed like an obvious one. Last two little news notes here. Michael Malone um, called it an ATO. Denver's up 24. All of a sudden, they're only up like 11 or 12. They call an ATO and run a play for Jokic to shoot a three. I thought it was yeah. the weirdest play call maybe of the entire season out of a timeout. And then I have a question for you. Is Davon Reed a good scorer? And in particular, no. an off-the-dribble scorer? I don't think so. So what's weird about this is he has been for the Nuggets in his games. Even last night, he had a great ISO. And I mean, he was two of three. One of those was an ISO at the top of the key and he pulls up from mid range and, and nails it. And he's had a couple of those. And I don't, I really don't know Davon Reed's game. Like we're putting him in this box that he's a Tory Craig, Kenrich Williams type, but he's not, he has a different skill set, weaker in some areas, stronger in others. And I feel like we might be underestimating his like, offensive impact his offensive mm -hmm. versatility including as a guy that maybe you could trust a little bit more like right now if i were to ask you who's a better one-on-one -on -one score davon reed or austin rivers most people would <laughs> well 
Well, <laughs> but I'm saying Austin Rivers has the green light to attack his sure. man if he wants sure. to. Sure. I'm just curious. I don't want Davon Reed doing this when he's playing with Jokic. Like, fine. but with that second unit, I am curious if he's a guy that maybe should attack a little bit more. I don't know. Well, I, I mean, if Davon Reed is is trying to make something happen, I have trust that he's gonna, you know, make the right play. I have trust that he's not gonna force up some junk. Um that Austin Rivers might, you know, like I, I have trust that if Davon Reed is in a one-on-one situation, he's going to get a average, an above average shot out of it. Yeah. Um, here's a play. Uh, Jokic is just so good at forcing switches. What I love this one, it's just a transition play, right? You're running down fast break. They get back. Now they have to match up. It looks like they can successfully match up here, but Jokic does a smart thing. The ball's coming to him. Zubats is not matched up right now. If you wait even a second, you can kind of get reorganized. Watch Yoke here. No. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like just... quick, yeah, it's like the quick touch pass of like, no, you better react quickly here. Boom. All yeah, right, we got no, it. We're going that way. And then yeah. what he do? He knows, okay, here's the mismatch. He's going to shoot the three. I'm going to go get rebounding position. And he had a great chance right now of getting that board if it comes off. So he's just so good at this type of stuff, uh, you know, taking advantage of the little micro things. So good. Here's some more whining and complaining about the officials. Here goes Yoke to the basket. I don't even remember this play. Oh, it's just grabbing his jersey here. And his arm. And his arm. And then look at grabbing the arm again here, and he gets out jumped. And it's just like, look at Yoke. It's just like, dude, come on, man. Like, this stuff is so annoying. There was a play last night after we get off this, I'm going to go find it, where Yoke is battling for a rebound with legit four Warriors players in the paint. Yeah, <laughs> I got to find that when we get off there. And he's like, you know, getting scraped, getting hit, just battling, though. Absolutely battling. So if you remember this Clippers game early on, Denver not pulling away. Um, I This is going to sound like a cop out. Sometimes what basketball is not perfectly predictive. Sometimes you can do everything right and the ball just bounces wrong. And I thought Denver had like a, a ton of these sort of moments in the first half of this Clippers game. Here you get. Good defense, step out. Let's see where, how this how this play. Good closeouts, perfect. Good defense. Look at look at the recoveries, and then you hit that shot. Like that's like you, you're you're playing good defense. In fact, once you get the recovery, you got Monte Morris falls down. By the way, Davon Reed does a good job here. Is is it him or is it Will Barton? Oh yeah, does a good job of like switching out. Then he gets beat. Jeff Green step or whoever steps up. It's just these are all good defensive possessions, and sometimes you just get beat on a play like that. Here you got another working the ball around. Shot goes up. Look at uh, Jeff Green's position on this rebound. You get the defense scrambling. You get him outside. I like this positioning. Ball bounces just over his head here. Sometimes this happens, and then we're going to look at I think I got one more. Man, sometimes when I add like a third clip, they'll like screw up like this. I thought I had one more good one. But Denver in that game, sometimes it just happens. You go back and rewatch it, and you're like, bunch of 50 50 balls that just bounced the wrong way you had good rebound position yeah. didn't get it you had an open shot didn't knock it down sometimes that just happens yeah absolutely but i think denver especially last night like they were so active defensively where they oh, got yeah. most of the 50 50 balls it seemed like like they got a ton of deflections last night but I, I didn't look at the number but i bet they were up near 20 sure which is like around their season high in deflections they were so active last night this is the weirdest shot of the last like seven games 
You got okay. you got a fast break. Here. Oh, dude, I got, I even tweeted about this when it was so bad. You got a fast break here, but here's the thing: Faku just pulls up. You don't necessarily. Oh, first of all, God. it's a three on two fast break, and you get a pull up three off the dribble that you're not even good at. But here's the thing: I don't know if Faku can drive against these. Like if he's in the middle, if he's got like good floor balance, he can do some stuff. But if you notice, a lot of the fast breaks Faku's on, he throws like wild passes, like through the legs or you know, some kind of crazy behind the back. And I think it's because it's all he can do. Like these guys, NBA athletes are so big. I'm not sure he can attack this and get something out of it. And that's a bit of a concern to me. But what you got to do is you just got to make the defender commit. I mean, you got a three sure, on yeah. one. If you make, I think that's Brandon Boston there, just take one step to you. Right. Like that's enough to either find Vlatko or, or Bones there. Like even if he attempts one of, one of those wild, like jump behind the back passes, it's, it's better than that. That was a really bad fast break for a point guard. <laughs> really, really bad. Here's Jokic being lazy in the pick and roll. Jumps out on it. So good. You jumped out. But here's the thing. He bumbles this. You only jump out so that your man can recover. So once the right. guy's recovered, you want to get back. He's not shooting this. Your guy's in front. Now recover. Here's Jokic's recovery. It's just super lazy. Now Bones is late. We're getting over. Bones is supposed to be here. So he needs to like sprint over here. And he doesn't. But Jokic's effort on these this is why I keep saying it's a first, second, third quarter effort from Jokic. Fourth quarter, <laughs> yeah. he turns it up. But that's kind of what you're getting from him defensively in the first three quarters right now. Yeah. And if you're bones on that play, we've actually seen this. I feel like we've talked about him being a little late on that rotation a lot on these lists. But you know, he's got to get there a step earlier. Yeah. Um, oops. Oh, look at this. I've never seen this view before. I kind of like it um vlaco screws up the spell. i always talk about vlaco's never in the wrong spot i'm shook i'm shook he cuts through first of all he posts up but it's like hey man we got yoga on the court so <laughs> let's just not ever do that but then here is the worst part they now denver to his defense denver had been having a hard time getting the ball in the post yeah but rather than clear out to the corner which would have been his more natural read he flashes here but it actually just allows his man to double the post inside and, and blow up the play and and and, and clog up the paint so a little bit of a weird situation here from Vlaco in his decision, one, to post up, and two, to flash high, which just gives an extra defender in the paint without an outlet for Jokic. So right. a little bit of a weird decision now. And as a result, you end up getting this like four shot and part of why Denver would not look good early on. Yeah, I mean, you flash there when you can't get the ball to Jokic Correct. in the post. Yep. So. I, I wonder if Flacco, you know, he's he's such a high IQ player. Maybe he's like, well, we're not going to be able to get this ball to him. So let me just preemptively flash. And, and yeah, it backfired. Here's here's some more pick and rolls of that second unit. Um, this is Vladko. And rather than pop like natural, they just roll him. And again, it, nothing happens of this other than you force a switch. And now Vladko's inside. Like sometimes you don't notice why a play worked. But like but just by rolling, now we have a switch. Now you have him inside. Now you have Serge Ibaka who's like pinched inside and now has to run out and you end up getting this. It's just, it's a good job. It, I love that they're rolling now, even though like they don't have a traditional rim roller. Yeah. Same thing. Plays here, roll hard, great pass, great catch and finish. It, I love it so much more than the pick and pops. Yeah, absolutely. Um, last clips here, Harrison, two more, but they're the same thing. How to generate a switch. So, again, Jokic fed up of not being able to get the ball against mismatches. So, here he is against a switch. Oops. Here he is against a switch. They just ran a pick and roll, but altitude was showing a replay, so he missed half of this play. They run a pick and roll and get a, a switch. 
Jokic is going to screen his own man here. We've seen this before, but here's what I love. You screen your own man. They're going to switch this, but because you got a little, because of the way that they're set up defensively now, Batum is more concerned about giving up the layup. So he jumps off and right as he does, Jokic switches the screen to the other guy. So he actually screens both players in this one possession and it opens up a shot for Monte that he makes at least 50% of the time. Um, he did not on this one, but it's just an inter another interesting way Jokic is using these switches to generate looks for guys. And then lastly, yeah. uh, an example of him literally switch screening his own man and holding it for the entirety here. No switch on this one. Oops. No switch on this one. But look at gets low. All right. If they're going to guard me this way, just screen because now you open up this opportunity here. And he actually drew the foul call yeah. on Zubats on that play. But um, Jokic trying out a bunch of different ways to take advantage of this since they're having such a hell of a time getting in the ball. <laughs> He's got to be so frustrated. Like we've seen it boil over a couple of times, especially in those rivers clips, but it's like, guys, just give me the ball. I'm, I'm the best. I'm the most efficient post-up score in the league. Just who's give the most me. likely player to alleviate the pain. Like at bones Highland. I mean, is this what it comes down to is they just need bones to uh, start, go, you know, get going here a little bit to get him comfortable. Yeah. I think it might be. I think so too. Um, but we've, we've even seen Bones struggle to get the ball to him at times. But just having that threat, yeah, the threat of Bones, I think would definitely help. And you could even say Will Barton, who hopefully he's starting to get going again. Um, Monte Morris, like I, you almost need two of your four backcourt players to play well. And I'll, I'll even say, yeah. we'll even call it six backcourt player. We'll count the small forward position as backcourt since right now the backcourt position is Davon Reed. Um, so I, I'll even count. Austin Rivers, Davon Reed, Faku, Bones, Barton. You got you got to get production from two of those guys. Like you need yeah. real production, pick and roll uh, capability from those guys in order to to get a win. And Denver last night got that from Will Barton. Um, <laughs> and and really that was about it. And they just eked this one out. But if you get it consistent, like we've seen Monte go off in games and Denver wins big. You've seen Barton go off right. Denver wins big. But you see the nights where none of those guys have it going. Uh, Denver, just how do you how do you win in the NBA without guard play? You win with Nikola Jokic going for forty. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only way to do it. Sometimes. That's all I got for today, Harrison. You got anything before we get out of here? Um, I was just gonna say, going back and rewatching that game, Davon Reed just has a nose for the ball. I feel like I feel like he's always in the right spot. He's coming up with so many loose balls, and, and I've been talking about this stat for a while, but. He's already got 11 steals, you know, in 154 minutes, the same amount as Austin Rivers has in 441 minutes. Did he so get like, a steal last night? Yeah, of course. He just, you know, gets a steal game. <laughs> He's just always in the right spot, comes up with a 50-50 ball. And um, I think his defensive instincts are really good. And his seven-foot wingspan also helps out, too. I'd love to see Davon Reed and Bones with Jokic, um, maybe even Jokic and Gordon, but... Uh, and then maybe Barton's out there as well. But if you just put that much length out there, I, I really do feel like something nice has happened. So, um, so I'm curious for it. But that does it, guys. Thanks yeah. so much for tuning into these. We know here at DNVR we try to provide like some different things. Our post game shows they're fun. 
informative as well, we hope at least, but we try to have fun, give instant reactions. Day after, though, we usually do something like this, either a notebook pod, list pod, or something, some kind of conversation that goes a little bit more in depth. So if you only ever tune in for the winner's lounges or whatever, don't forget we also do stuff like this that goes a little bit more in depth and in detail uh, and provides a little bit more analysis. Thanks so much, guys. We'll see everybody tomorrow. Nuggets Warriors 2.